Monday of the first week of Lent. Our journey continues, everybody. Today we, we take a journey, spiritual and even physical, for those who are walking or riding their bikes, getting out and about, to the church of San Pietro in Vincoli. That is St. Peter in Chains. It's in this place that the, the chains that traditionally held St. Peter when he was incarcerated, where, where those chains are preserved. It's really neat. They're in a small container, a glass uh, uh, container there in the church where everyone can see them and, and, and pray before them, remembering that um, no slavery on earth um, can, can take away our dignity and that no slavery... Um, other than the slavery of Christ is worth it. But the true slavery that we have to Christ, um, being chained to him in love, is what gives us the greatest freedom. So Monday of the first week of Lent, San Pietro in Vincoli. Let's check this one out. This is oh, uh, 3.3 kilometers for those who want to make the physical journey with us, walk around the block a little bit, ride the bike. 3.3 kilometers. That's uh, just a little over two miles. It's we'll, we'll 2.05, so we'll basically call it two miles for the day. Here we go. After the long trek up the Opian Hill, we now stand before the graceful Renaissance portico of St. Peter in Chains. According to the more likely hypothesis on the archaeological history of this church, the first place of Christian worship on this site dates from the late 4th or early 5th century, being completed by Pope Sixtus III. In 431, a priest from here named Philip was a papal legate to the Council of Ephesus, at which he identified himself as coming from the Titulus Apostolorum. This likely refers to that early church's dedication. Disaster would strike the first church shortly after this time in the form of either a fire or earthquake, leading to its almost total destruction. Luckily, the Byzantine emperor and his wife had pledged their support to the previous church, and continuing in this spirit, their daughter Eudoxia helped to rebuild the church. The front and back walls of the original church had remained mostly intact, so this reconstruction consisted mainly of rebuilding the nave of the church. This was undertaken, and the repairs were completed around the year 450. Around the same time, uh, around the same time that the chains from St. Peter's imprisonment in Jerusalem were given to the church, when these were pl- placed with the chains from St. Peter's imprisonment in Rome. The two fused together. In the year 519, the Byzantine, Byzantine Emperor Justinian wanted to bring the chains to Constantinople, Constantinople, but was rebuffed. Towards the end of that century, the church was rededicated at the same time that the relics of the Maccabee brothers were brought here. Two centuries later, the church was restored to Pope Adrian I. At this time, the church was called by the alternate name of the Basilica Eudoxania. Eudoxiana, commemorating the woman whose munificence had allowed its rebuilding. In the mid-15th century, the basilica was restored by the cardinal titular Niccolò de Cusa. Later that century, two cardinals from the Della Rovere family held the title, first Francesco and later Giuliano. Those were later Popes Sixtus IV and Julius II, respectively. They added the complex of the buildings on the side and ordered improvements to the church itself. This included the addition of the porch in front of the basilica, to which an upper story would be added a century later. Although Julius II would be ultimately buried in St. Peter's, his incomplete tomb, including the famous Moses, was completed in the current state by Michelangelo in 1545. The church received additional interior decoration in 1577, 
When the frescoes of the apse were completed the first quarter of the 18th century, a more complete renovation was undertaken, including a new ceiling. From 1876 to 1877, a sanctuary renovation created a confessio in front of the new high altar, surmounted by a ciborium. The chains of St. Peter, previously kept in the shrine in the left transept, were moved into the confessio for the veneration of the faithful. So there you have it, St. Pietro and Vincoli. Um, as always, there's some notes and uh, uh, links in the notes of this podcast. You can go uh, click those links to get a little bit more information, see some photos, um, and just learn more about these churches. But for everyone on this journey with me, thanks, and share this with people. You know, if you're if you're enjoying maybe the historical aspect, share it with people. Uh, if this is rekindling something in your faith, if this is just helping you do some more exercise, whatever it may be, um, share it with people. There's so much more about the actual churches all of these churches that I'm not even talking about. For example, all the artwork and everything inside them, which would be another four-hour episode for each church because there's so much. Um, but that's where I want you to all dig into it. What I'm trying to share is basically the 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 kind of, you could say, the, his, the structural developments throughout history. So kind of the physical connection back to the first centuries every week. Not so much all the details within the church, but kind of the evolution of the actual structure. So Christian worship connected to this place. Um, but yeah, do me a favor, share this with people, y'all. We, if, it, you know, if, if, if it's worth sharing, if it's not, let me know so I can stop doing it and <laughs> do other things instead of this. I, I could always use the time to do other things, but it's just on my heart to do. Kind of a spontaneous thing that I decided just, on Fat Tuesday, the night before Ash Wednesday. So, anyhow, God bless you all. See you tomorrow.